Well, it's always a privilege to open up God's Word. We need to give anybody a cheer. It's Jesus. Um, today is going to be a defining moment for 10 people. Baptism is one of those defining moments. And it's a moment to move on from. In a, new, in, a, in a new way. And so I thought I'd just read through the Gospels and some of the Old Testament and some of the epistles and what have you and just try and figure some things out about baptism. Is it, is it on? No, we're not getting sound at the moment. Okay. Uh, <coughs> Do I have to start all over again? No. Uh, all, all, four, all four Gospels include the baptism of Jesus. So for Jesus, it was a very defining moment. Now, there were a number of defining moments, obviously, in his life. But this is a this is a defining moment. And in that defining moment, something of a supernatural nature takes place. Not so much to him, but in heaven, the Father audibly speaks. And those that were present, they would have heard something. Probably afterwards they said, was that what we think it was? And it may have got lost. Doesn't really matter. Because the father was addressing his son. And this was for his benefit, not for those others that were present. This is my son, whom I love. I am with whom I am well pleased. Or we could translate it, I am delighted mm. with him. So I, actually, it's that what I started to think about. I thought, when you think about it, that is, that is strange. It might have been more appropriate at the end of his life. Because up to this point, he'd not done anything. At least, nothing spectacular. He healed no one. There were no miracles. No deliverance. No, he lived a very ordinary life. Now we've talked about this before, I know, but it's yeah. worth repeating. Mary, Mary lived with the fact that she had been a virgin and she'd given birth. 
by the Holy Spirit to this to this son. Joseph had encountered, Joseph had encountered angels. They had to escape to Egypt because Herod was 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 killing uh, young boys two and under. And, and his parents may well have shared lots of other things concerning him, his early life with him. But that was 30 years ago. Now we know when he was 12, he went up to Jerusalem for one of the feasts, Passover. And when his parents got home three days later, he, he was not with them. And that frightened the life out of them. But when they returned, where was he? He was in the temple. And he, and, and he was de- debating with the theologians there, with the with, with, with the teachers. And they were amazed at this. How can this, this boy have such understanding and knowledge? But that was 18 years ago. We know nothing. He just lived, it would appear, an ordinary life. Just like you and I. But that's actually what he came on to came to do as well. The only thing we have is what Luke tells us. He says this that for 18 years in Nazareth, where he lived, he was obedient to his parents. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. That's all we know. Now, there are some funny writings about Jesus, some Gnostic rubbish. Don't even bother to read it. The truth is in the scriptures. Lives an ordinary life. So, so it seems strange to me that the father should say before he'd done anything. This is my darling boy. And I love him to bits. I'm so proud of him. Wonderful affirmation. But just another son for Joseph and Mary as far as others were concerned. And like you and I, he honed his skills, he learned skills. He worked with stone. He worked with stone. Often he's called a carpenter, but he was much more than that. He was a, like a, a mason. If you look at Steve's uh, the house, Cumbria House, house stones are fashioned. Seven miles from where Jesus lived with, with Joseph, 
city was being rebuilt and he would have been involved as a not a tradesman but as a skilled worker in that a worker in stone and and with wood and carpentry we don't know when Joseph died but we know he died before Jesus came into his ministry. What would that mean? What would that mean? He was the oldest son. Care for his widowed mother. He probably helped bring up the brothers and sisters. Now, some teach that there were no other. She was always a virgin. She had no other children. That's just super spiritual rubbish. It's not true. He had brothers and sisters. So very little is known of those of those years. So I think, you know, when I was thinking of this, I thought this is I never thought this way before. Have you ever thought that way before? Actually, actually adds so much to our understanding of the humanity. But one thing is so clear that the Father was not looking for the spectacular from Jesus. He clearly knew who he was. He clearly knew his mission. The scripture would have played a big part in that. When you read the Old Testament, a lot of it is full of Jesus. David's Psalms. Psalm 2. Psalm 110. New Testament. In the early church, they focused so much on these Psalms. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me. And I will make the nations your inheritance. And some of the earth your possession. And he knew what that was going to cost. It's a big promise. But the price. It's huge. Impact. Jehovah. David. The Lord says to my Lord. Sit at my right hand. Until I make your enemies. Footstool for your feet. Go into Isaiah. You can't. You can't get away from it. How are we Isaiah? How come Papa Isaiah sixty-one. Um, and Luke, Luke records when Jesus spoke of this um, in the uh, in in the synagogue. Let me, let me just read that. In the synagogue, he took the scroll. Of 
And this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me. Get the me. It wasn't just writing script, reading scripture. He's telling them, this is me. And you know, some of them got very uptight. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll. Gave it back to the attendant. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were on him. This was different from what happened the previous Sabbath. And he began by saying this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In me. He, he wasn't making any bones about who he was. So, and it's important that we know that. He knew that John, his cousin, the one we call the baptizer, had come to prepare the way of the Lord. It's all there in the scriptures. Isaiah 53. We don't have time to read that all this morning. The servant who will be rejected by men will be pierced for our transgressions. He led like a lamb for the slaughter. It's no wonder the father says, I am so thrilled with my boy. So I want to share three, I want to share three thoughts that I've had. The first is this. The incarnation was the biggest risk that God ever took. We don't think of God taking risks. He does it every day for you and me. He takes risks. He calls us his family. And he takes risks with us. Whoops. Here we are. Petrus, I'm not getting down there. I won't be back. Okay, this humanity. Was it possible for God Himself, in the person of Jesus, to take on humanity and live a life submitting to parents, to authorities? They were far from perfect and often totally corrupt. And sometimes totally rebellious to God. But was it possible for the incarnate Jesus to never succumb to Satan's powerful ways? Let's not mistake this. 
There was warfare taking place. You see, I, I think, I think for, we, we don't. We don't hear much about Satan until this time now. Satan is not like God. He's not God. We're not talking about two, two equals. He, was not, he, was not, he couldn't be everywhere. He couldn't, he couldn't. He didn't know everything. He was a fallen angel. Been a very beautiful one, a worship leader. I think for Satan, he's probably thought Herod got him. Herod got him. Now Satan is having to wake up again. Who is this that's appeared? The Son of God. So Luke records for us the temptations that straight away Satan was there. Jesus goes into the desert place and for 40 days he's tempted of Satan. He's, he's, he's praying. He's fasting. He says that angels had to minister to him. He's weak. This is his humanity. It's just like you and I. He got tired. Can you imagine 40 days? Satan comes to him. He tries everything. And when he's at his weakest at the end, he comes and he says, this, If you are, if, always causing the if you are the that's right identity as Steve said you say you're a Christian and you have thoughts like that you say you're the son of God alright then turn these turn these stones into bread you're hungry three times he did this that's risky. This is my boy. I'll risk everything on him. It's understanding the Trinity here as well. Because the Spirit is filled him. The Spirit is on him. It, it, it's not easy for us to understand this because he was God and is God, and yet he was filled with God, filled with the Spirit. It, it's, it's difficult to get hold of it, but you see it all together here, the Trinity together. Here's my boy! Isn't he doing well? <laughs> Satan. Ladies What's the matter with you? I am too fast. If only that was true. <laughs> too slow, my wife says. But this if. He lived the life that Adam forfeited. Oh, Adam gave it up for a bit of fruit. Or a mess of pottage. What we give up for what will never satisfy. Yeah. It is frightening. But there is a life promised 
for us here. He lived the life. Adam forfeited. And, and then secondly, Jesus exhibited in this life all the attributes and character of God. He was moved with compassion. He, he didn't walk around all day long with a belly full of compassion. You'd be a wreck if you did that. Christians are wrecks. Because they think it's sort of got to be that way all the time. It's a move of the spirit. It's like what you do, Topsy. With these women who've been abused. But you can't walk around that way all, all your life. Can you? No. Hey, but he was moved with compassion. Just the people, the outcasts, social outcasts, prostitutes, lepers, tax collectors, Roman soldiers. And, 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 and corrupt, ambitious, self-seeking authorities. He, he was moving compassion. He was their friend. Exhibited the attributes of God. That's why, that's why when the scriptures, you read Colossians, it says, he was the exact representation of the God. When you saw Jesus... You don't see the old man. You see Jesus. You see God. This doctrine of the incarnation is the most beautiful doctrine I find in the Bible. God took on our humanity and risked it all to save us. Oh, how amazing. You know what it's like just getting through a day. I've been married to Sue for nearly 60 years. And I've said it this morning. I felt bad. She felt bad. She went walkabouts and didn't come to the prayer meeting. And I wasn't able to pray. And I was thinking, I've got to preach. We get over these things. And I think, after 60 years, why am I so stupid? Tuesday, it'll be okay. Because I'm not preaching. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> we struggle, don't we? We're human. <laughs> oh. He fearlessly, thirdly, he fearlessly spoke his father's truth. Yeah. Amen. We need to understand that. <laughs> he spoke what the father <laughs> showed him. Before the high priests and Roman governors told them the truth even though he knew it was a cross at the end. Pilate was a coward. It's amazing and his wife warned him. They do have a habit of doing that. 
It's funny in there, actually, work it all out. You know, she formed it. She had, she had a dream. She said, Don't touch this man. I, I have a bad feeling about this. It's not, it's not what if he said, Oh, I better listen to my wife? Well, men don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will not get that to No, you didn't. You didn't translate it. No. He took a whip. He took, he took a whip. He took a whip. This is gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Takes and makes a whip. Once, maybe twice. We don't know. It's recorded twice at the beginning and the end. It might just be chronology. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Let me tell you, you see, there was the court of the Gentiles. The Gentiles were not allowed to come into the temple. But there was a place where they could pray. So, God fears Gentiles. They would come and pray. And so, Caiaphas. You know, he's out to make money. Wasn't, wasn't before Caiaphas. And so they had all these, they had all these stores where you could, you know, you buy animals for sacrifice. But you had to buy coinage. And you were ripped off. That's what it was about. So the Gentiles could not come into the temple of Christ. Because Caiaphas was ripping people off. This is my father's house. A place of prayer for the nations. So when we're, when we're talking about reaching the nations, remember this. And that temple. Right. It had to be destroyed. And all this nonsense about rebuilding the temple and all sacrifice. Folks, don't get involved in any of that. We are the temple. Someone told me to our church many, many years ago. And, 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 be quiet. This is the house of God. Said, no, this is the house of God. This is where God lives now. We are his temple. And he went in. And it says, and his disciples remembered what was said of him. He is consumed with zeal for his father's house. We, we must be consumed for the father's house, for the church. It is through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be revealed to the principalities and powers to those who hate him and to those who worship him. That's why we must, we must keep good relations with one another. Because where, where they live together in harmony, God commands the No wonder the Father said, even when he was Clearing out of the temple. Oh, I'm so pleased with my boy. He's got it in one. On the cross. He shows, he shows mercy to a brigand. Because he's 
Assuming we love the Lord, we want to walk with Him, we receive His forgiveness, and, and the Spirit of God lives in us. Genuinely, His family. Well, John, who wrote this towards the close of his life as an old man, couldn't, couldn't preach anymore. Had to bring him in on a, a sort of a bed, a stretcher, meetings. And all he could say was, "Little children, love one another." But this is what he wrote. Wow, he said this. One John two six. Whoever claims to live in Him. Must walk as Jesus did. Oh, oh that's, a, that's a very big, a very big ask. Well, Peter puts a little bit more flesh on that. Because in two Peter, chapter one, Peter says this: His divine power. Has given us a few things we need. No, has given us everything. Say it with me. Everything. Everything. His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and, and escape. You see, salvation, being saved, means escape. You have been rescued. We have escaped. But we have to lay hold of this. You may escape the corruption in the world caused by evil, evil desires. What, what does that mean? We now have the ability to make choices we couldn't make before we were saved. We can, we, we can do our best, and sometimes we would succeed. But that was of the flesh. 
not talking of the Spirit. Because we have the Spirit of Jesus indwelling us. We have His life, His divine. We don't take on deity. Sorry, sorry. You could say some nasty things about me and I wouldn't know. Because you're my friend. Where were we? The ability to make choices. That before we just couldn't, we couldn't do it. We, couldn't. we had no chance. Even, even the law, even the law couldn't make us holy. It just pointed out we needed a Jesus. You might say, well, hold on, Ray. What if I slip up? Well, it's another bit of good news. It says, it says this in, in John again. If I sin, if, if, it's if, not when. If I sin, we, I have an advocate. That's a lawyer. Someone who speaks on my behalf. I have an advocate before the Father. And here's the propitiation for my sin. Oh, yeah, we're on a winner, aren't we? We're on a winner. The power of the cross. That's amazing. See, our calling is not the spectacular. There may be spectacular things in your life. You may see the sick. May lead people to Christ. You may be a preacher. But that's not our calling. That's how we work out our calling. I never felt I served God less when I was in a law office than I do now. And I mean that honestly. It wouldn't hurt me going back to a law office. Because I'm going to meet pagans every day in a law office. And sometimes I would say, sometimes I would say to a client, to, to, to a lady who was going through a or had gone through a, an horrific divorce. I would say, do you mind if I take my lawyer hat off? Can I put my Christian hat on now? Why don't you forgive this man? This is a true story now. I'll never forgive him. Then you'll never be free. So it's our calling, as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, is to be in Christ Jesus. That's our calling. What we do is the outworking of the calling. So we need to get away from this idea that ministry is the, you know, the pinnacle of calling. Because at the end of the day, God will not say to us, well done, you spectacular super saint. 
He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. It has to, has to do how we live. Anything spectacular we come across is only by the grace of God. So for those that are being baptised today, I think heaven's looking on. And I think heaven would say, well done. Well done for coming to this place. Faithful servant. Now go through with this. And then let's walk together in the power of the Holy Spirit. And see great things. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking on our humanity. What a risk. What a challenge to you. You overcame the powers of darkness. You overcame Satan. You overcame the flesh. And Lord, you overcame everything that was ever arrayed against us. Be in you, Jesus. We thank you so much. Burn this word in our hearts, Lord. May we hear, Lord, daily. Well done, son. Well done, daughter. Don't mind, son. Don't mind, daughter. Yeah, you slipped, but I'm with you. So we just pray for those being baptised now, Lord. We pray you'll be with them. We pray that you will thrill their hearts. And your spirit will fill them afresh. Amen. Amen.